Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight I'm here with... Akosia Ofenwa Opoku. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, Director General of Ghana Police Service Administration, COP George Ekufo Dampari, named Acting Inspector General of Police, that's the IGP. Tonight we profile the new police chief for you here on Eyewitness News. Also coming up, Finance Minister Ken Oforiata defers answering questions on the cost of President Akufado's travels. But will the National Security Minister be able to answer the North Tongue Member of Parliament, Samuel Kujetua Blackwa's question, which has been begging for answers over the past few weeks? Mr. Speaker, the President's domestic and international travels are matters to do with national security. The National Security Minister is really best placed, Mr. Speaker, to furnish this Honourable House with the details needed. And later on Eyewitness News, as a Sputnik V committee in Parliament continues to take um, witnesses, uh, listen to witnesses who have been presenting their facts to it in relation to the botched or unsuccessful importation of the vaccines, will go to the Ministry for Information where there is a press conference currently happening where Ghana government is giving an update on the COVID-19 situation. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta says, it will resist attempts to make exceptions in law banning foreigners from Ghana's retail space. That's in some 50 minutes with Anita Kisi Mriku. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations and across the globe on citynewsroom.com. Do join us with your views on WhatsApp 0549 Send us tweets as well. Hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. And the world gets to hear your views. Let's settle for details of our stories. And the breaking and indeed first story is that COP Ekufo Dampari has been named acting IGP. Let me read for you a communication from the presidency. Uh, before we proceed with any discussion, President Kufado appoints COP George Kufo Dampari as acting IGP and Deputy Director General Isaac Kofi Ejir as acting Director General of the Prisons Service. The statement by Eugene Ahin, Director of Communications at the Office of the President, reads The President of the Republic, Nana Adodankwa Kufado, has directed the Inspector General, please, Mr. James Opombuino, to embark on a terminal leave with effect from Sunday, 1st August 2021 pending his retirement from the police service on Thursday, 7th October 2021. Until a substantive Inspector General Police is appointed in accordance with the dictates of the Constitution, President Akufado has asked Commissioner of Police George Ekufo Dampari, PhD, to serve as Acting Inspector General of Police with effect from Sunday, 1st August 2021. The President has also asked the Director General of the Prison Service, Mr. Patrick Dakun Misa, to go on terminal leave from Sunday, 1st August 2021, with his retirement from the service set to begin on Saturday, 16th October 2021. He has therefore 
directed the Deputy Director General of the Prison Service, Mr. Isaac Kofi Ejiri, to act as Director General of the Prison Service from Sunday, 1st August 2021, until a new Director General is appointed, also in accordance with the Constitution. President Akufado has conveyed in person his gratitude to both Mr. James Opombuenu and Mr. Patrick Daku Misa for their dedicated and meritorious services to the nation and to the police and prison service, respectively, and wish them the very best in their future endeavors. Signed, Eugene Ahin, Director, Communications Office of the President. Let's speak to Anaseidu now. He's our correspondent, indeed, in charge of security. He's on the security desk here at CTFM and CDTV. Anasi, welcome to Eyewitness News. George Ekufo-Dampari, COP, Acting Inspector General, please. You have been monitoring his work. You know the workings of the police. Who is he? Thank you very much, Sander. Uh, to start with, I'll say that uh, apart from the current or the outgoing uh, IGP, James Opombuenu, Dr. COP, George Ekufo-Dampari, is the senior most police officer. And his role as the admin, Director General of Police Administration, tells it all because that position is usually uh, given to the senior most uh, police officer in terms of uh, uh, practice. There are times uh, is given to people who are not the senior most, but because of his job, taking care of or superintending over some of the other departments within the headquarters. So you need somebody there who is actually at that senior most level to be able to, to execute that. So when you say senior here, you're referring to rank, not age. Not so he's age. not the oldest in, in, person in the service? Not at all. In the police service, uh, seniority, I can be a COP, we can be at the same rank, but it depends on who gets that rank first. So assuming I get my COP rank in January 2021 and you get yours in uh, maybe June 2021, I am your senior. Okay. With so, so when you say seniority or the most senior, that's what you're referring amongst, to. So they are all COPs, commissioners mm. of police, and there are many of them at the headquarters. Mm. But he's a senior most. He's a senior so he is now being made the acting inspector, inspector general, general of, police. of police. What else do we know about Dampari? Um, Dr. Dampari uh, joined the service in 91. And uh, he joined as a recruit, a constable. And uh, in his year, what we know was that he was the, the overall best recruit and uh, to add to that he was the best marksman uh, he was given awards in those categories six years later uh, he went back junior police officers who have to go back to college to get the opportunity to be senior police officers and at that training it is called um, the officer cadet officer course mm -hmm. he was adjudged the the best cadet for that year 1996 and that was course 32 i think uh, the outgoing igp in some some months ago launched the or inaugurated course 50 so it means after uh dampari there have been several others that's about 28 sorry or 18 18 other senior courses that has run there talking about administration or managing police uh portfolios within the police headquarters cop george echo for dampari has been to almost all almost all, uh, except some few ones, as far as the police headquarters uh, is concerned. He's been Director General of Admin. That is his current uh, position that he will transition okay. into acting IGP. He was once in charge of welfare 
that's the current position of uh, COP Tiwa Adodankwa. Okay. Uh, he was one time in charge of uh, MTTD. He was the director general there. He's also led the research and planning department of the Ghana Police Service, currently being occupied uh, by COP Paul Mamle Awini. Okay. Uh, he led national operations uh, some time ago, and I think that was the time a lot of robberies happened between uh, 2017, 2018, and there were some steps uh, taken. I remember there was a time he had to speak to media houses on what uh, the police service was doing at the time to make sure that these robberies were, were kept. We had even daylight, daylight robberies some were apprehended and police took some initiatives to ensure that these things were, were, were curtailed. Mm. He led the ICT department of the Ghana Police Service as well as uh, finance. He was also one time the head of the National Patrols Department, which is also the visibility department of the Ghana Police Service. Uh, we also know that he serves as the commandant of the Command and Staff College of the Ghana Police, Police Service. And he was also at Winnipeg. What was he, that about? Yes, that's it. That's that's okay. the, that's the command. That's the uh, command. Okay. Yes. And uh, one thing worth noting is that he was once in charge of the Accra Regional Police Command, and uh, it was during his tenure that uh, the MP for Ebuakwa was killed, JB Dankwa Edu. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you remember, uh, the arrest of Sexy Dundum and the payment of uh, some ransom to informants as at the time came up. It was during his, his tenure as the Accra Regional Police Police Command. He also uh, worked as the Municipal Police Commander for Cape Coast and uh, one time came up or uh, helped facilitate the National Anti-Robbery Reward where people, informant reward, where people uh, were giving some amount of money uh, to bring information that would lead to the arrest of some um, suspected criminals who had involved in robbery activities. Aside working as a police officer and also uh, taking police mandate in duties, we also know that in, in, in civilian life, he's been able to uh, venture into that as well. He was a research fellow, as we know, and a lecturer at the King's College in London and uh, a lecturer also at Gempa UCC, Regent University. Data Link University, mm. amongst others, including so, the Business School of KNU. So that's so his professional about, profile. That's yeah. what. You, how about his? Um, so up close, you see him on duty. You see him at work. What is his relationship with the media? Like his relationship with the the officers or the the police uh, service? Like what do you know? I think uh, after, uh, I think IGP Kudalo or even after IGP Al-Hassan, there were people who were actually calling on uh, government as at that, that time to appoint COP Dr. Dampari as IGP. And after Kudalo, those calls were still high before um, COP Asantia P2 was appointed acting and subsequently confirmed. Mm. When he was going, there were calls. There were people who thought that uh, COP Ekufo Dampari was going to be appointed as uh, as IGP, but that didn't happen. Then he came to uh, James Opombone, who has done his part in terms of transforming the service and making sure that the right things are done, shaping the service is, is, is concerned. So for COP Dr. Dampari to come, his appointment is not a surprise. What was surprising to a lot of people in years past, 
and they asked questions was that uh, we, we've seen him, he's, he's affable, he's down to earth, and we think he's been a professional police officer, and we think he, he should have been appointed. But I think uh, a lot of people will not be surprised, including police officers, mm -hmm. that he has finally been appointed okay. to act. But let's be minded that he's still on uh, in an acting capacity. Mm -hmm. There are some uh, people who, who or person who, who acted in, in that capacity as IGP, but never got confirmed. And okay. that robbed the, the that robbed the women of the first uh, female IGP Position. title. Okay. Thank you so much. That's Anna Seydou, is our security correspondent. John Kudalo served as Director of Operations of the Police, graduated to be Acting Inspector General of Police between 2015 and 2016, and then graduated to be Substantive Inspector General of Police, IGP, from 2016 to 2017, 25th June, when he said goodbye to the service after serving for more than 20 years. He is my guest on the line. Mr. Kudalo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. We are grateful that uh, you've taken time to speak to us uh, tonight on Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. So, the news is that COP Dampari becomes Acting Inspector General of Police. I believe you would have worked with him. Which kind of human being is he? Yeah, first, uh, I would like to take the opportunity to thank all your listeners and my colleagues, seven police officers, for keep holding the fort up to this point. Uh, uh, Mr. Fudampari, I call him, uh, Brother George, uh, has been a friend, colleague. We worked together closely in some quarters, uh, in Tema and especially at the headquarters. I would say he's someone who is level-headed, cool, and very articulate, and also someone who is convinced uh, will carry his uh, dreams through, and a very good organizer. He's very good in organization. He has a very good organizational abilities. I see. When did you first meet him, and um, his demeanor itself, what is it like, his, his human oh, relations? Uh, yes, I met him first uh, at the police college, where he was a senior instructor there. He was then a detective superintendent for a brief period of about uh, six months. Then we went our way. That would be 1998, 1999. Then we worked closely in 2007, uh, where we worked very, very closely and got to know ourselves very well. I was then the regional commander at the Tema Regional Command, and where he was one of my officers or commanders serving at the Taba Railway Harbors, where he was also the, in charge of the Royal Post Division of the service. I see. How are IGPs appointed, though? Is it that the president has a pool of a number of COPs that he can choose from, or he must give it to the most senior most? How do these things happen? You have been there before. How, how does it happen? Yes, many things come into play. You know, as an inspector general police, you're head of the service. And in policing, anybody in the rank of commissioner is a potential IGP. The IGP decides. You know, there are occasions people have retired in the house. There were ranks of assigned commissioners. They've been brought back after five, six years even to come and be IGPs. So there's a pool. But the appointing authority will look through and see one who is very versatile, competent, and will be able to work with to achieve the aims and functions of the police service. These are some of the main cardinal points that come into play. And since he's been given that opportunity as the IGP, 
merits those uh, qualifications. Uh, besides, he is the most senior commissioner. He's the most senior commissioner. And so I think uh, he deserves it. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest challenges of an IGP? <clears throat> IGP, you know, the functions of the police is very, very wild, very, very wild. And there's a saying that when it comes to constabulary duties, when it comes to constabulary duties, the policeman's lot is not a happy one. And that is the challenging aspect is maintaining law and order, preventing crime, arresting perpetrators, and bringing them to book. That's the most challenging aspect of policing. If you're able to achieve that aspect, then you are gone. And you can remember of late the problems we're having with the police service because of this uh, surge in uh, crimes and other things. It makes the job very, very challenging because our ratio to is not very proportionate. And we cannot be everywhere. And then the citizen has also help because they share responsibility. In other it is said other areas uh, the citizenry really report everything to police but you know our nature here yeah, people don't want to come forward and assist and make the work very very difficult that's the most challenging aspect i would say of policing mm. what advice would you give to him considering again that he is just in acting position for now or acting capacity for now uh, as i said i'm doing very well German work very close and he has the abilities and capabilities he must just take it easy he has been involved in many police operational activities. For example, the formation of the, the visibility was very cardinal in myself. I we worked very closely there. Kema, when we get armed robbers in Kema and make Kema a no-go area, he was very also, when I was at headquarters, many of our personal counterterrorism was involved as our master was always present at our meetings. So I asked him to control his school. He started to be overwhelmed. I'm not sure about he takes decisions very coolly and he doesn't rush. And whether he takes decisions is convinced, he carries it through. I wish that he co- controls that composure. He should use his head as a professional policeman and he should not let anything overwhelm him. And I know that uh, he will deliver. With the Inspector General of Police, a retired associate of the Inspector General of Police will find time to meet him and we shall give him all our support. I'm sure he will deliver. That's good to hear, but for critics of these appointments, they would say, why give him the job as acting when you can make him the Inspector General directly, especially since the one who is there now is just on contract? One, the question would be, since he's in acting position and anyone who is in acting capacity would wish to be substantive, and if you want to be substantive, you have to impress your appointer or appointor. Now, how do you navigate that slippery slope? You have been there before. You were acting for one year before you were made IG for another year. How, how do you play the game so that you do not offend your appointer, considering that you have to impress him, but also do your job diligently and independently? Yeah, fortunately for him and some of us, his acting capacity is not going to play it indoors. It's going to play outdoors. The whole country, the whole citizen will see how he's going to perform. And I'm sure that nobody can uh, relieve him of that position if he's performing well. Because we shall all see, and we shall all recommend. And when he comes to the hilt, and we know he's doing well, I think we shall all support that he's confirmed. So he should not be afraid, should not be confused. I know him very well. I know his personality. And I know that he will deliver.
What I'm should, working for him very, very closely, and I know he will deliver. What should be key on the agenda for you yourself, having observed the security situation in the country? What should be the key thing that he will be working on, or immediate task as IG? It's immediate task it should be police presence in our streets and then everywhere. Because policing is, excuse me to say, it's not in the office. It's in the gutters and on the streets. You know, these visibility people, we don't see them much these days. And as I said, he was very, very instrumental in the visibility, and I think he was even the first commander of the visibility when we were forming it. We had to move him from the pay office to that place where we know he could deliver. He did very well. But you believe him in that now in the visibility, we don't see them, and they are very far in between. And I think you should take that aspect very, very seriously because policing, as it patrols, is the heartbeat of policing. If they are around and it makes that place solid, I'm sure he'll deliver. So you must look at that aspect very, very, very seriously because it's very key in controlling crime and also maintaining law and order. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. But before you leave, what does an, a retired IGP do? Oh, there are a lot of things. First, you become a citizen, so you play a role as a citizen and not as a spectator. And also, you do things like consultancy, giving security advice. You find yourself in your neighborhood. You help them to maintain security, personal security, and other things. So many things, very, very diverse. Do you do small but, small politics on the side if need be? Politics is interested in everybody, so at least we are political being, so at least you don't get so much involved, but keep your head, but at least you will be a politician. I hope you are not bored, though, sir. No, 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 no. I've been more overwhelmed by, even by the jobs I do now than anyone else in office. Now, everyone knows that you are free, so from left, right, and center, everybody has the confidence in you and that you can deliver. There are a lot of things we are doing, and I hope to do all our best to help Mother Ghana. Wish you all the best, and thank you for speaking to us, sir. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That's former and retired Inspector General of Police John Kudalo speaking to us there on the naming of COP George Ekufo Dampari as acting Inspector General of Police. When we come back, we hear more from other persons who know um, Dr. Dampari up close and personal. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News Indeed, the hashtag is Eyewitness News Send us your views and we'll read them The hashtag is also city newsroom So Obama Mpokwasi is speaking on this matter on Twitter and he says, congrats to COP Dampari on his appointment as acting IGP. It's my hope that he brings reforms into the service. For example, the era where findings into police officers' misconduct were shrouded in secrecy must end with him. I think I like that. Jones and Jones. Jones and Jones uh, says, Ghana is now being managed like a football team. The other IGP made all the noises, but he wasn't doing anything. Now time for substitution to bring in another one who has all the positive credentials, as if he's coming to score the winning goal. Walanyu Nakwitea says, It's good that the IGP is changed, and we wish the new IGP all the best to deliver to the best uh, to the, deliver the trust put in him. Mahama Bakkojo from Isium says, Mr. President, appoint Mr. Kofi Bwachi to be the next IGP. Your dampari, I hope you will not allow any politician to taint your hard-won reputation over the years. I wish you the best in your new role, and congratulations. Mr. K says, I hope the president and his ministers will allow the incoming IGP to work without controlling him. 
I urge him to work without fear, favor, because this government is capable of um, uh, frustrating. Okay. Alex Kofi Yarini says, I have been the most happiest person today. Having heard that he is acting IGP, I disagree with this acting position because I believe he should have been given the position straight up because he is more than qualified to hold that position. Congratulations, Dr. C.O.P. Dampari. Um, Conviction over everything is the name of this person who sent it to us and says to come and stop demonstration. And now, Kofi Amwa says, Could this be the awaited sigh of relief? Is my prayer this newly ordained IGP comes in comes with the sermon that heaven can also host criminal criminals? Okay, uh, Daniel Atia says, Good evening, Maru Dr. Dampari as IGP, perfect choice. Personally, would have preferred Kofi Bwachido. That's a message from Dan Suman Oyibo Bwatin. Says from it is a message from Echima Nerebi in Kumasi, and uh, he says uh, the appointment of COP Dampari as a new IGP is a step in the right direction. Greetings to <laughs> you're seriously doing campaigning here. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Send us your views, hashtag uh, City Newsroom. Let's know what you think of the new IGP. We've heard from uh, John Kudalo, former Inspector General. Please let's hear from a former. Secretary, Executive Secretary to an IGP. Uh, that was David Asante Epieto. The man now has graduated from being Executive Secretary at the IGP's office to being a member of Parliament representing the people of Wa West. Peter Lanchini Tobu is his name. He joins us on the line. Uh, sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. I want you to wear your police cap tonight and remember <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you first met uh, Dampari, what do you know about him, what you can tell us? Thank you very much, Maru, for the opportunity to make some few comments about the acting inspector general of police, Dr. George Akufu Dampari. And let me congratulate him. I popularly call him Dampi, and I think that he's, he's no among the young police officers at Dampi. We call him Dampi, he has no problems. And let me also thank James, Mr. James Opombo and the outgoing inspector general of police for the good job that he's done. We've gotten an IGP who I say from constable to IGP. He's the one who started from scratch and he's hit the top. So if there is anything at all that I'm excited about today is the fact that many of the young ones who are working very hard, we call them the rank and file, they would have seen themselves in him. He just didn't come from anywhere. His cuts, he started as a constable and he's hitting the top. And if he fails, we'll be disappointed because he's also a young man. The system has been structured in such a way that before you become IGP, you are either 58, 59, and even almost 60 years. Thank God. He leveraged upon the power of education to move very fast, and he's gotten to the top at this young age. Young because he's the second youngest person in the history of Ghana. IGP was the youngest at the age of 39. He was Inspector General of Police in 1979 and got out in 1981. He's the second youngest person. And I think that he, he has, Dr. Dampari has a strong character. He's unwavering in his professional code of ethics. He's a very principled person. When you get close to him and you don't know him well, you will think that he's a difficult person because when he believes it is right, he will insist it is done. And sometimes if you are the lazy type, you begin to find problems with him. And for me, I have worked with him when he was Director General of Finance under Mr. Paul Tawiakwe when I was Executive Secretary to the IGP. I have worked with him when he was still Director General of Finance under Mr. Mohammed Ahmed Ahasan. I was also Executive Secretary. And I've also worked with him when he was Director General of Operations under Mr. David Asantia Pietu when I was Executive Secretary. And he became... Director General Research later on. The fact that he was maintained as Director General Finance with a new IGP coming up is, is, is a mark that is, that, 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 that is unbelievably a topical issue in the police service. It hasn't just happened. 
If you are Director General of Finance and a new AG is appointed, you will be sure that you have to be moved. But Mr. Mohammed Ahmed Al-Hassan came into office and maintained me at that position. All of us were surprised just because he believed that he was a very professional person in that particular area. He's, he's transit the ranks, he's gone through all the positions you can think of from research, operations, finance, and now he's GP2, Director General Administration. What else can he get apart from the Inspector General of Police? What we need to know is that all the police commissioners up there, each of them has the capacity to become IGP. They are qualified to be IGPs, all of them, the, the police commissioners. But it is just the president who decides who can do my job for me. So the president has opted for the most senior person, who is GP2, in the person of Dr. George Akubutambari. And we say congratulations. I see. You make the point about how he graduated through the ranks. And for many of the recruits and, again, even officers, officers in the service, the promotions are the biggest headache. He, perhaps coming as the IGP, would be giving hope to every recruit graduating from any police training school tonight. What do you reckon as the IGP now he can do about the promotions in the service so that there's a proper structure so that persons who enter the service, if they behave well the way they're supposed to behave, they are assured of a promotion and not the lackadaisical attitude that a lot of the recruits would say to us that they have been going through in graduating from one rank to another? I think that promotion in a structured organization like the Ghana Police Service is one thing that can either motivate or demotivate the people. If promotions are fair, it, 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 it sparks the, the, the activities of the police officer. Policing is all about morale. And it, just, it doesn't matter who you are. Giving somebody a new rank is a huge morale in the system. So if the system is very fair and everybody comes in, it can, and it can be predictable. That you know that in the next four years, I'll be promoted if I have a clean record. If I don't have a clean record, I have a problem, I will not be promoted. If it is predictable, you can plan on your life. He is somebody who is benefited from academic promotion. He is somebody who is benefited from administrative promotion. He's an academia. He's a professional. And people, a lot of young people in uniform will see themselves in him. A lot of people who believe in the academia, believing that policing is a science and we need to learn and learn more and get all the degrees and the masters and the PhDs, they will also see themselves in him. A lot of people who are a bit religious, they believe that God is everything. You also see yourself in Dr. Dunbarry because I know him as a person that he believes so much in God. And he believes that whatever happens in this world, there's always a divine angle. So he's a, a comprehensive personality. We just pray that he finds the key people to place properly. It's all about putting round, round text in round holes for them to be able to, to support him to achieve his, his objective. It's all about the vision. The vision of the police must be in line with the motto. If his vision is to be able to provide support for the Ghana police service to ensure that they provide the needed um, information, or probably they, they provide the needed job that they're supposed to do per the constitution, then he should look at the motto, service with integrity. And I always say leadership is influence. Without integrity, you can't provide that necessary influence to transform the service. Thank you so much. But before you go, I'll ask you the same question I asked your former boss, John Kudalo. What should be his focus area immediately as an acting IG? For me, what is important is human relations. He should begin to look at how do you get close to the last constable down there in, B in Boko? How would the IGP be very close to the last constable down there in Axim? That even though you are far from the center, from the police headquarters, the power of the IGP is felt within your vicinity. And if you are able to do that, and your human relation is good enough, I am telling you, you will make a mark.
in our history. Th- thank you so much uh, for speaking to us, as Peter Lanchini Tobu, Member of Parliament, Wild West, former Executive Secretary to the Office of the IGP. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Akusia, please share with us some of the reactions coming through on WhatsApp. Sure. Nana Opoku in Niswam says he's not happy with the appointment of Ekufu Dampari as the new IGP acting. He is too refined for the role and uh, the environment is contaminated, he says. Wilson in the Volta region thinks the appointment of the new IGP is a step in the right direction. Uh, he's only hoping and praying that, his independ- that he is independent and it doesn't become a tool for any political party. This one says it is good to have a new IGP concerning considering the surge in crime in the country these days. We hope he would do a good job so we feel safe in the country. Another one says Okujetua Blakwa should forget about the travel expenses. He won't get any answers. You can also send your message and indeed that's the next one we are going to. The one on uh, Sam Okujetua Blakwa. He put a question in parliament wanting the Minister for Finance to come give one the cost of the president's recent travels and also even the state of the presidential jet. That was a big issue. The Minister of Finance finally made it to the chamber today and said, let this car pass over my head. Akosia, tell us a story. The Minister for Finance, Ken Oforiata, says the Minister for National Security is best placed to provide Parliament with details of the cost of the President's recent trip to France, Belgium and South Africa. We'll be hearing more from the Minister when he appeared before Parliament. That will be after this break. Don't worry. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back from that break. Um... Now, the Minister for Finance, Ken Oforiata, says the Minister for National Security is best placed to provide Parliament details on the cost of, pres- of the President's recent trip to France, Belgium and South Africa. According to the Minister, the President's domestic and international travels are matters to do with national security. Answering questions on the floor of Parliament from North Tong MP Samuel Okujeto Ablakwa, the finance minister indicated that he did not make any specific releases to the chief of staff for the trips to France, Belgium and South Africa. Mr. Speaker, in line with the 2021 20 budget implementation instructions... Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. We apologize uh, for that. Uh, it was a technical hitch. Uh, we should try to restore that and bring you uh, the sound bite from the Chamber of Parliament where Minister for Finance, Ken Oforiata, has been deferring answers on the cost of the President's recent travels to the Minister for National Security, Albert Kandapa. We do not know when he would be showing up to Uh, give those answers, Um, but this is an issue that has been raging since the North Tongue Member of Parliament, who is also the minority spokesperson on foreign affairs, um, made the point that the president has spent so much of the taxpayers' money hiring a luxurious aircraft uh, for his trips abroad, plus um, talking about the, the state of the presidential jet. Let's actually ask him now whether he was satisfied. He actually put that question forth. Uh, MP Northam, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You had the Minister for Finance today. Impressions? Yeah, good evening, Omaru. A very disappointing day, as I said in Parliament uh, earlier today. Uh, very, very.
very embarrassing spectacle. I mean, this is a minister who was scheduled to respond to this question on the 17th of June. It was duly advertised on the provisional order paper on the 16th of June. He then rushes to Parliament the morning of the 17th of June and informs the House that he needs more time to respond to this question. He has subsequently requested for more time uh, more time uh, uh, on a couple of occasions. You do know, Maru, how uh, it has been such a struggle uh, to get him to come respond. I had to even write a memo to the business committee uh, to remind them uh, to uh, not to be uh, complicit in the evasiveness of the, of the finance minister and the contemptuous treatment that he was meting out to the Honorable House. Uh, then, uh, eventually, he uh, 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 decides to, to come out of hiding and come respond to the question today, only to tell us that we should now be looking in the direction of the National Security Minister and that he doesn't know the cost and that these are national security matters. At what point? I mean, this is a question that had been admitted since the 1st of June. At what point did the Minister for Finance realize that he didn't have the answers? When he kept requesting for more time. You don't treat Parliament this way. I mean, this is not how we protect the public best. This is not how we promote good governance. We promote transparency. We promote accountability. This is not how we go about it. I mean, imagine if we were in power and had conducted ourselves this way. What President Akufuado will say, what the what MPP functionaries will say, this is totally wrong. It's contemptuous of parliament. It's an insult to the people of this country. Look, this is a public interest matter, a matter of enormous public interest. And financial accountability, look, every parliament, financial accountability is, is at the pinnacle of our oversight mandate. We are carrying out this mandate this constitutional requirement, and you treat us this way, with, with utter contempt, total disregard. Was his proposal uh, accepted uh, by the, the speaker? Definite... I mean, well, the speaker uh, was left with no choice. Uh, 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 the speaker allowed supplementary questions, and uh, you know the supplementary questions were revealing because I pointed out to the finance minister that the GISME system, if you look at the Public Financial Management Act, only the finance minister in this country has access to the gift me system. And the gift me system is simply the system that allows uh, financial controls to be established. So the finance minister can stop transactions. The finance minister can assess all transactions to know whether MMB is the various cost centers, are, 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 as it were, uh, uh, living within the approved budget by, by, by parliament. So the finance minister has the answers. The finance minister, through the gift me system, could have provided this answer very simply. The very day he received this uh, communication on this question from the clerk of parliament when the speaker admitted my question under order 66. So now, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the next step it's for the National Security Minister to come respond. I can confirm to you that I have immediately filed an urgent question for the Minister responsible for National Security to come provide the cost. Since his colleague, uh, Minister, is telling the House today 
after all these weeks of rigmarole and contemptuous treatment of parliament, is now telling us that that is an answer in the bosom of the National Security Minister. I have filed an urgent question uh, in that regard, expecting that the Speaker will admit it and the National Security Minister will therefore come to the House uh, under urgency. And I hope at this time Order 64 will be respected. Order 64 is clear. Urgent questions must not go beyond 10 days. I do hope that this time as to the national security minister would not do same and i also do hope that he will not come and hide under national security considerations and and refuse to answer look they the company acropolis aviation have been in touch with them it's a public entity you in the media anybody can contact them if you want to charter the most expensive luxury jet the acj 320 neo they will give you a quote Okay. It's, 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 I don't see what is national security about this. This £15,000 an hour transaction and all of its incidental costs. The Ghanaian people... Could, that, could, could, could there not be a national security in that maybe the, the, the vehicle was defective or there were some other considerations? National security could have all manner of intelligence that you and I may not have, correct? Look, the finance minister forgets that the defense minister has already answered the first part of my question. And the defense minister stated clearly that the presidential jet, the Falcon 9G EXE, was in mint condition at the time that the president traveled to France, Belgium, and South Africa in May. It's been in pristine condition. So there can be no, you know, overnight national security concoctions about how the presidential jet may have developed some fault or what have you. The mm. defense minister has already settled that matter. Okay. <laughs> so this, this referral I, I, to... It's really strange. This referral to the Minister for National Security, is it automatic that he would come answer your question or you would have to do what you said you are, you are planning to do? Well, it ought to be automatic more or less uh, because, you know, the speaker admitted this question. So it means that the, uh, my question uh, satisfies all the rules under admissibility. So... Understanding order 66, the speaker rightly admitted this question. Now the finance minister is saying that uh, the national security minister is the one seized with the information. Uh, clearly, as government continues with this cover-up and uh, concealment, you know, strategies. So uh, it's pretty much automatic. Uh, the speaker will be minded uh, to make reference to the finance minister's open declaration. Uh, on, the, uh, on the floor of the house that is the national security minister who has the answers and so he will um, most likely admit the question and the national security minister will have 10 days within which to appear before the house and and and, and give us uh, a full disclosure okay my, my point is that um based on precedent so does the your question has been admitted but the one to answer it also has to be accepted it was initially accepted for the minister for finance now it has been uh, deferred or referred to the Minister for National Security. Do we need to change service, as in the the dispatch rider from Parliament may have to send oh, a letter yes, to... I, I, that's I what, that's yes, what so I meant. Do, does the Speaker okay. need to write afresh to the Minister for National Security or he'll take judicial notice and just appear and start answering questions? No, I will have to file another question. That's how it works. Okay. That's what our rules stipulate. So, I, I will have to file another urgent question. And I have done that. Okay. I have done that today. I have delivered it uh, to the to the clerk at table. 
and uh, they will then forward it to the Speaker for Admissibility under Order 66. Very well. And under Order 64, the National Security Minister has 10 days within which to appear before the House and answer. Okay. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. That's uh, Samuel Kujetablakwa, NDC MP North Tongo. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Um, Let's listen now to the Minister for Finance, uh, the statement he made on the floor. Apologies, we could not bring that to you earlier. Let's listen now. Mr. Speaker, in line with the 2020 month budget implementation is... Um, so that's as, as, as quick as it can get. Let's move on. Akosia, what else do we have for our listeners? The Ghana Health Service has indicated that Ghana has recorded 2,500 new COVID-19 cases between 1st and 14th July 2021. According to the service, the upsurge in positive cases is alarming. Speaking at a press conference earlier today, the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumar Boajin, noted that the total case count of the country stands at close to 100,000 with 818 deaths. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City of M. Apologies, we are having a technical challenge in our studio, uh, making it difficult to bring you the sound bites that accompany our stories. And that compels me to take you to citynewsroom.com, uh, our website, where we have lots of stories for you. And that particular story uh, about COVID, you would find there. Uh, there are other stories that you can uh, find. Uh, for instance, there's one related to, to COVID and the Ghana Health Service is saying it will announce modalities for organizing funerals to curb the upsurge of COVID-19. And this is a story on citynewsroom.com. It says the Ghana Health Service says it will soon come out with modalities on how public funerals should be organized in the country. The GHS says this is part of measures to contain the spread of COVID-19 as public funerals tend to be super spreader or a super spreader of the virus. Addressing the media after a two-day crisis meeting in the Ashanti region, the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kuma Abuaji, said this will help reduce the rising number of infections in the country. Quote, we have identified the Delta variant in the Ashanti region and the greater Accra region. Once you identify it, the numbers rarely matter. The dominant strain is alpha when it comes to the variant of concern. We are not in any way recommending a lockdown. We are seeking to ensure the production of uh, the, the. I beg your pardon. We are not in any way recommending a lockdown. We are seeking to ensure the protocols are adhered to, including how funerals are organized. Unquote. The quote continues again. It says, We are in discussion to come out with proposals that limit the spread and make it safer for these events, that is, funerals, to be organized. I think that funerals are such deep cultural events that we cannot do away with, unquote. Meanwhile, 304 new cases of COVID-19 have been recorded as of July 17, uh, 2021. Uh, that's according to the publication I'm bringing for you. Now, if you look at the latest information that Akosia just shared, the Ghana Health Services uh, said that that figure has since risen, and it says Ghana has recorded 2,500 COVID-19 cases from 1st of july to 14th of july 2021 and that's according to the research that has been done let's listen to 
a critic of the government, member of parliament for Joaboso, uh, who is um, a ranking member of the health committee, Kwabna Mintakando. He's the minority spokesperson on health, and he says that the failure to manage COVID-19 suggests that there's a leadership problem in the country. Listen to him. As I speak to you now, there are upsets in uh, um, Achimota School, as you have held KNUST and other institutions as well. A lot of groups are speaking. I've heard about the GMA and other institutions speaking, and uh, it clearly indicates that there are a lot of people who are worried out there. But what is clearly missing is the political direction. I recall the last time the president addressed the nation on COVID-19 was somewhere on the 28th of February. We've recorded new variants. The president is quiet. The numbers are skyrocketing. The president is quiet. It looks as if we have no plan in place. Nobody is speaking to us. This We need a clear direction from the political head, from the president, as he consistently was addressing the, the nation on issues of COVID. I do not know whether or not it is the fact that he himself is guilty of the uh, is guilty of um, the COVID protocols, and so that is what has probably um, um, occasioned his silence, huge silence on development so far. And so I think that the president must come clear. We must be testing. We should be doing contact tracing. We should also try as much as possible to release funds to the various health facilities so that they can get money to buy the reagents, the oxygen. That's Kwabna Minta Kando, he's a member of parliament and ranking member on the health committee of parliament. Talking about COVID-19, we've been looking for vaccines unsuccessfully. Now that has forced us to create a committee in parliament to investigate what happened with the Russian vaccines that we had ordered, which never arrived. And we are told by government we never made payments. There's a committee sitting in parliament and on day two, let's see what's been happening. Akosia. Officials of the Ministry of Health have justified the mode of procurement for the Sputnik V vaccines through an intermediary. They argue that the procurement laws of the country allow under circumstances, allow rather under certain circumstances, the use of single-source procurement before ratification by the Public Procurement Authority. The public hearing of the bipartisan committee probing the procurement of Sputnik V vaccines today largely focused on the question of the procurement method used. Here's an interaction between members of the committee and acting director of procurement at the Ministry of Health, Romeo Kofitete. Honorable Chair, I think it's only under single source that even you have to apply for ratification. Because if you open tender and you have other submissions and you award your contract, that is the procedure. But because under the circumstances, you could not apply to PPE to give you the approval to do single source, and you went on to do single source, then now you have to apply to them that based on ABCD, I went ahead to engage this firm to undertake this assignment for me. So I am applying for you to ratify it that process for me using single source. Then they will come in to investigate whether what you have presented to them it is right or wrong. And then they take it to a board. And then if their investigation I mean gives you the justification that you should use single source or you should do that, 
then they grant you the approval. If the investigation comes out that it is not right, then they take decision otherwise. So, Mr. Honorable Chair, it is right to use single source procedure and ratify. Okay. Thank you. Now, uh, your your lawyer is the director of legalism by you, but since you are the chief advisor on procurement, uh, with all these explanations, it is your case that they are in the law. Answer. It's your case that is in the law. Yes, sir. The explanations you've given. Yes, it is your case that they are in the law. Oh, yes, sir. Um, immediately, are you able to tell us which provision allows for that? If you have the law by you, if you don't, it's fine. Mr. Chair, it's under the provision 89. That's 89. 89. Okay, that's fine. That talks about the investigation. Okay. Yes. No, it's not. Wait. The 89 talks about the investigation. Okay. Um, yes, Do you have the law? Anyway, uh, colleagues, let, let's not belabor the law. It's for order. He, he is saying, saying that order. He's saying that the 89 allows for that investigation. Whatever it is, it is for us as a committee. You will explain that you have the basis to do it. It is for us to determine the legal position when we are doing our report. Okay, let's play. I disagree with this position. That was an interaction between members of the committee and the acting director of procurement at the Ministry of Health, Romeo Kofi Tete. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It's now time for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It's brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Anita Kisimoku. Let's settle for the details. The Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, says it will fiercely resist any efforts by the government to amend the GIPC laws which restrict foreign traders in Ghana's retail space. This is not the first time the union has called for the GIPC laws to be enforced to the letter. However, the recent call comes after the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagwin, announced a review of the GIPC Act 2013, Act 865, which will exempt the capital requirement of $1 million needed for Nigerian retail traders to operate in Ghana. According to President of Guta, Dr. Joseph Obing, this proposal puts Ghanaians at a disadvantage on the benefits of the African continental free trade area. Practically, it is impossible to enjoy any advantage under the continental free trade area if members engage in trading in goods that are not produced in their respective member countries. Ladies and gentlemen of the press, these rules of origin set the tone for this press conference. In view of the above facts, we find it difficult to understand any leader in the sub-regional bloc who cannot draw the line between what is permissible in the trading, in the trading under our respective sovereign laws and the provisions in the international protocols and treaties 
that we have signed or ratified as member states. We members of the Ghanaian trading community have never and will never prevent any African in our midst from trading freely in goods and services that are produced in member states, but will fiercely resist any abuse of the rules of origin by member states. You heard there the president of Gutsa, Dr. Joseph Obeng. Now, despite Ghana's gradual recovery from the COVID-19 shocks, the economy is still facing some significant uncertainty, including new pandemic waves and risks associated with large financing needs and increasing public debt. This is according to the concluding statements of the International Monetary Fund's Executive Board following the end of Article 4 consultation with Ghana. According to the IMF, its assessment is based on the new COVID-19 wave, rising debt stock and large financing needs of governments. The following news desk reports has more. On the subject of debt, the Bretton Woods Institution noted that while risk to the country's capacity to repay its debt has increased, it's believed that they are still manageable and that Ghana's capacity to repay the fund remains adequate. The directors welcomed the fiscal adjustments envisaged in the 2021 budget. They, however, stressed that fiscal consolidation is needed to address debt sustainability and rollover risk as Ghana continues to be classified as high risk of debt distress. While commending the Ghanaian authorities for their proactive response to the COVID-19 pandemic, which mitigated its economic impact, the directors noted that while they are encouraging signs of an economic recovery, it remains uneven across sectors. According to the directors of the IMF, it is important for authorities to limit monetary financing of the country's deficit. They noted that the financial sector cleanup had made the sector more resilient, but stressed that banks' growing holdings of sovereign debt creates risk and crowds out private sector credit. The directors finally emphasized that authorities' structural transformation and digitalization agendas are critical to support the recovery. They noted that the structural transformation can be complemented by the ongoing energy sector review, diversification in tourism, and the digital transformation which has the potential to reduce corruption, boost tax revenues, and improve service delivery. That was a Newsdex report by Netile Nete. Moving on, the total number of mobile voice subscriptions in the country for the month of March 2021 has increased to over 41.4 million. The National Communications Authority, NCA, in its latest industry information said the four mobile network operators account for the over 41.4 million subscriptions, representing a 0.82 percentage increase from February's figure of 41 million subscriptions. This figure represents over 133% penetration over Ghana's population of 31.1 million. Of the total, about 23 million are also mobile data subscriptions, representing a mobile data penetration rate of 73.73% for the period. MTN Ghana, the country's largest mobile operator, recorded subscriptions of over 23.3 million, representing a percentage increase of 0.68% from February's 2021 figure of 23.2 million followed by Vodafone in a distant second with a little over 8.9 million subscriptions.
finally, before we go, the average price of goods and services received by domestic producers in the country for their production activities in the month of June 2021 went up by 10.1% when compared with the prices received by the producers in April of last year. That's according to the Ghana Statistical Service. The average increase in prices, which brings the producer price inflation rates for June to 10.1% represents a 1.7 percentage points decrease in producer price inflation when compared to the rate recorded in May 2021, which was 11.8%. Here is the government statistician, Professor Samo Kobna Enim, with more highlights. On a monthly basis, producer price inflation for the month of June 2021 stood at 1.1 percentage points. This indicates that from the producers' perspectives between May 2021 and June 2021, prices of goods and services have gone up by 1.1 percentage points. On a year-on-year basis across the three sectors, i.e. the manufacturing, mining, inquiring, and utilities sectors, we had the manufacturing subsector recording the highest producer price inflation of 12.8%. And this was closely followed by mining and acquiring 9.5%, and distantly followed by utilities. That was the government statistician, Professor Samuel Kovanai. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was sponsored by Vodafone. Together we can and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Anita Kisimriku. Up next is Point Blank. It's 22 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank. I'm taking you to Nigeria. Not physically, but virtually. If you look at Premium Times Nigeria, there's a story they published on July 7, 2021. Ghanaian parliamentary lead leader speaks on $1 million requirement, uh, $1 million rather, $1 million requirement for Nigerian business. And it says the parliaments of Nigeria and Ghana have resolved to work together to resolve the trade impasse between the two countries, a story by Bakari Majid. 
It says Nigeria and Ghana are to work together to resolve the trade impasse between the two countries. The Speaker of Ghana's Parliament, Alban Bagbin, said Wednesday in address to the House of Representatives. The Ghanaian lawmaker was admitted to the House to address the members as part of Speaker Femi Bajabiamila's parliamentary diplomacy. Mr. Bagbin spoke on the trade impasse and also made commitments to resolve the lingering crisis. It would be recalled that Mr. Bajabiamila and the former Speaker of the Ghana Parliament, Michael Kwe, met back in September 2020 following the blowback over the Ghana Investment Promotion Center Act. In his address, Mr. Bagbin said Ghana-Nigeria Friendship Act will be set up and it will set up proposed Ghana-Nigeria Business Council. Mr. Bagbin said the government of Ghana had resolved to review the capital requirement for trading enterprises under the Ghana Investment Promotion Center Act 2013. And the story continues there. <laughs> Now, this story did not go down well with the Ghana Union of Traders Association. So tonight, in studio, for Point Blank, we have Dr. Joseph Obin. He is president of the Ghana Union of Traders Association. Guta. Doc, you're welcome to Point Blank. Thank you so much, sir. What difficulty do you have with this statement made by our speaker in Faroe, Nigeria? And that's, we have a sovereign law. The law is not in contravention with the ECOWAS protocol, neither is it in contravention with the continental free trade area. As a matter of fact, they go uh, a long way to enhance even these protocols. Because what we are saying is that um, we have to abide by the rules of origin that is enshrined in these protocols, that we should trade in the goods and services that are produced in member states. That's all that we are saying. And that these protocols forbid dumping. And so Ghana has not breached any protocol. Um, as well as fact, when the Nigerian Speaker of Parliament came to Ghana, he said that he has been so misinformed. And that's why he is pleading that we relax our laws and then they also relax their laws uh, for friendship pact. But then, too, we have to be careful. That's why we are saying that we are not going to relent on our stand that the law should be maintained and that nobody um, will be um, allowed to amend it. Okay. So I have followed the battle between your side and the Nigerian traders at Oprah Square, at Abosoka, and so on. Sometimes even got bloody, especially the one at Oprah Square in Accra, near the Rolling Circle. For people who may not have easily or quickly remembered what the problem was, what exactly are you fighting as Guta? What is your problem? Yeah, um... You know, this law was made when we did not even know by our former president, Jerry John Rollins, that um, he had a foresight and then he sat down with his council that we are making our investment law, but then we have to drive where we want the investment to go. So they wanted investment to go to highly technological areas, high capital intensive areas, mechanized farming, um, manufacturing and so on and so forth. And that they thought it twice that if they allow people to come into the retail trade and do dumping and all that, they, it would derail the efforts of manufacturing and industrialization of the country. And that it is not also conducive for investment for uh, retail outlets and all that. 
And this area is where the locals who do not find themselves in mainstream uh, white color and um, civil uh, servant job and all that will also find their living. Mm -hmm. And so it was consciously done because our forefathers taught it twice. They were very wise and they knew what they were doing. So they left this place. So when the agitation actually started, we didn't know that there was such a law. And then we have seen that gradually our space is being taken. Rent is getting so high. When you say rent, rent of shops? Yeah, rent of shops. It will surprise you to know that areas like Okachi is now $100,000. Because per there's shop. a queue. Per shop. 100000 US dollars. For how many uh, decades? First, it used to be 10 years. Now, it's 5 years. 5 years? For yes. 100000 Because there's a long queue of rich people. Rich Turkish, Chinese and all that from Nigeria and elsewhere, they are rich. Wanting to rent More shops. resourceful than the locals. And these are shops owned by Ghanaians or the state? As in like, are, is it owned by individuals or the Individuals. This, so, that's why we so do they rent our it, business. They rent it out to the highest bidder. Exactly. And so you'll be in a, a shop and then somebody having gotten such a big uh, bid will want you um, to even top, um, give you a balance of your distance so that he can get... Um, this amount. And this is what we are contending with in, in the market. In, in the, in the Okaishi, in the Accra Central Market. In Okaishi, uh, uh, various areas have its own price depending on... Um, uh, and so this is because rich people have come in the market. Exactly. But why are you, the traders, Ghanaian traders not rich? And why can't you also do that? Why can't you rent shops at that price? No, but do we have to... Because of demand and supply. And so if a nursery demand has come on you, where they are not even um, uh, they are not legalized, then you have a problem. If this demand has come as a result of your own competition uh, among the indigents, and trust you me, if this competition is within us, it wouldn't have escalated to that much. Because these rich um, people who represent manufacturers, the Chinese, for instance, they 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 don't come here on their own. When you see them, they are not rich. Mm. But the, 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 the bigger guys who are supporting them are manufacturers. And they, they bring them here only to um, 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 give the goods for them to dump here. And this all go a long way to derail our in industrialization drive. And they, they don't qualify to do investment, uh, uh, getting one shop and say they call themselves investment. Is that what uh, you think about investment? But, but foreign direct investment, but if this, you are touting it. But these foreign traders... Are they new to our markets? They are not new, are they? They've always been here. So yeah. why 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 is it fast now? Yeah, because you see, um, in the uh, 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 in the beginning we could gloss over this because there was no um, um, threat, mm -hmm. and even though the law was even there, like I was telling you, since Rollins time nineteen ninety four, this law was there. Mm -hmm. It didn't even break us. So we noticed that no, this our space is being taken away from us. With regards to our brothers in Nigeria, first, um, we used to go and buy goods from them in Nigeria, and then they um, um, they come and sell. And so, when they started coming here, their own shop boy, uh, store boys and all that start, started coming here. And eventually, they started um, um, uh, getting acquiring stores and all that. And so, their own people told us, hey, these are people, if you do not do anything, they take your uh, market from you. And true to their prediction, uh, within uh, a short time, they've taken over. When we do mention Nigerians, it's not that we hate any specific uh, country. But because maybe uh, we say that we are going to um, circle, to clamp down on foreigners. Mm -hmm. 
you go there when they went to a circle to clamp down on foreigners 99.9 percent were all nigerians so then so, so you're not targeting nigerians no chinese no, russian it was Lebanese. only one pakistani who was at circle only one but not even chinese was at circle when you go to Kathmandu, the same story. The opera square that you came is the same story that you see. The, the Chinese who are there, they have even relocated. The Chinese who were there, the time that we came, were just three people. So, what is the percentage of Nigerians in our market space, if you have this? Uh, no, I, I can say that it's 50-50. 50-50. So if you go to Oprah Square... I, I can conveniently tell you. Aboso, can you? I can... Uh, circle. I can say... Circle is about 70-30 against the, uh, the indigents. Really? Yes. Okay. What law are they breaking? Can't, can't they have a... Um, what, what was it? Um, a, a re, what was the word? Where they have a shop where they can sell in bulk. Instead of uh, wholesale, wholesale or fantastic. Okay, so our law, as I was telling mm -hmm. you, the, uh, our former president and his lieutenants or uh, his counsel mm -hmm. um, sat through and said that okay, we, we don't want anybody to come to this space, mm -hmm. but then also we have to um, give a window of opportunity who want to trade. But even in trading, we want to direct you into supermarket and then the wholesale structure okay. of trading. So and you so, can run a supermarket, you can have a shop where your job is only to do wholesale, exactly. not retail. And employ 20 uh, skilled labor. For the whole It, it used to be 10, mm -hmm. it used to be um, uh, 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 $300,000 um, investment when uh, um, uh, President Rollins started, uh, started this law. Mm -hmm. And then when, during Atamel's, His Excellency, former president Atamel's um, time, uh, under an Atete's time, he did consultation with the traders because he had visited the market and saw things for herself and mm -hmm. said, no, you people are in trouble. And so we have to enhance this law. And so in 2013, this law, under His Excellency President um, uh, Mahama. Ma uh, no. Uh, if it's 2013, it will be Mahama. Ma Mahama, yeah. Because uh, uh, was there. Okay, Let me so, use yeah. Anatete. Mm -hmm. And so this law was enhanced. And then we, we raise it from 1 million to... From 300,000 to 1 million. From uh, uh, 300,000 to 1 million. So 1 million dollars. And then you employ 20 skilled labor. Okay. So uh, by the nature of the investment that the uh, investment law is requiring, then they are driving you to a certain area, that's supermarket, and then the wholesale. And then there's, there is um, an ECOWAS protocol, because Ghana has signed into the ECOWAS protocol, and we have signed into the continental free trade. And you have to also honor those things, uh, those protocols. And in those protocols, it says that we should trade among ourselves freely without any hindrance. I'll come and ask you about the protocol, but let's remain on the requirement. Yeah. If I went to a market tomorrow and I see a Togolese having a shop, that man should have brought goods worth $1 million, correct? Or the investment should be one million dollars. That's how it should be. If and also, he should have twenty Ghanaians working for him. Exactly. He should not have Togolese people working for him or Ivorians. He should have Ghanaians. And his the worth of his shop should be up to one million Ghana exactly. dollars. Exactly. That's what it's supposed to be. That's how the law is. And you are saying that this is not happening anywhere, or there are few people who obey. No, you. unless we be the uh, Iquala, um, uh, Malcolm, um, Lava. 
and you see so even, big malls. even these shops that i'm talking they are even located within the the, the market mm -hmm. but nobody is talking against it because mm. they are supermarkets. Mm. Mm. Uh -huh. And so, um, this shop that you said, the Togolese shop, when mm. you go there, mm -hmm. in fact, one million cannot be invested in one unit shop. It it's not happen. even possible. How can you employ 20 people in one unit shop that you see in Okanshi and all that? Well, one unit shop is like the typical container size shop. Uh, exactly. Just one 12 by 12. Exactly. These are the areas that we talk about. But what about. if they bring heavy equipment there? So if you went to Abosokan, maybe 10 engine blocks, that would be 1 million. Uh, are, you, are you employing 20 Ghanaians? Well, so bring 20 Ghanaians to be Yeah, carried. but if that is what you see, but that's not what you see. And that's what we're talking about. Which means that it's difficult to practice this law in your markets. No, the, the market is not allowed. That's why they say that um, and you are not allowed to be um, in the market. And that when, so, you, so when you apply for the GIPC law, mm -hmm. they also give you location. And so they do not even conform and comply. Those, those of um, the, even some of the, um, um, the Chinese they they have so bad. you don't know how they they manage to get the GIPC because of the volume of goods they, they bring mm. it qualifies okay and then they sometimes they have been coached to use um, their drivers their garden where they are um, this thing but they do not even qualify even though they have a proof of GIPC to show us and so this is how the law is so, so that the space of the market is a preserve of the Ghanaian. Which means that I should not see a Nigerian man owning a shop in Okaishi or in Oprasco. That's what you're saying. Unless the person is conforming to the continental free trade area and conforming to ECOWAS protocol that mandates him to trade in the goods that is made in um, Nigeria. Let me tell you. Is there not a conflict between what the AFTA and ECOWAS protocols say versus what the GIPC law says? No, no. No, there's no conflict at all. They work together. The, uh, uh, the continental free trade forbids dumping. It forbids trading from outside the continent of Africa. And the GRPC law is also saying that um, uh, when you are under a continental free trade area, when you are under ECOWAS and you are trading in the goods and um, services that are produced in your home country, there's no um, uh, any... Um, disturbance okay. or you don't have any obstruction to doing your business Question. but if you have to dump if you have to go uh, and then import goods from outside this domain that mm -hmm. have been given to you and bring them from thailand um, china and elsewhere then of course we will not allow you to dump question for question for education purposes if a mecca from anywhere in nigeria decides to open or do business in Oprah Square. Yeah. What does he have to do? So he he has to bring. First of all, Emeka can do business in Oprah Square, correct? Why not? Okay. So what conditions are he, is he supposed Emeka to? Emeka is supposed to sell dango desmond, or he is supposed to sell orange. Um, they have orange West Africa. They do cosmetics and all that. They even have a cable a factory in um, Nigeria. So the Nigerian cable, like we have the cable meta, a maker can have that um, um, uh, 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 be a, a, rep, a rep and sell those cable in his shop. The quantity doesn't matter in this instance. It doesn't matter. He can even bring five bags of it, does, it doesn't matter. And his emeka. The law is so clear. Okay, so he has to have a Nigerian product. 
he has to he can then sell here he can sell that's the free movement of goods and services the only advantage that it gives you is that you should trade in the goods that are produced that's why nigeria so cannot sell key soup you know Pra square key soup the one by ghana longest lasting something like that ghanaian product he cannot do that well um that law if uh, the law because of the um, um the protocols mm -hmm. if the protocol is saying that um, it should be made in Africa. Mm -hmm. Then, um, if the, the, this trading, because probably he has come to buy the key soap made in Ghana, mm -hmm. he sells it in Nigeria, and sometimes he sells some so in, in Ghana. And after he can do business here? Yes. That's, that's the goods that are made in Africa. The goods that are made in the soap region. That's where um, it allows you. Let me tell you. Okay. If Emeka brought electrical cables from South Africa to sell in Oprah Square, you would not have a problem with him, would you? We're under the continental free trade area. Mm -hmm. Then it ensures probably he has gotten um, a, a business um, uh, uh, relation okay. in um, in South Africa who mm -hmm. want him to represent him in, in Nigeria. And then he want to sell some of the goods here. Once, because in the continental free trade area, mm -hmm. it has gotten the rules of origin. So, so the, the rules of origin are the permissible goods. So this one, then we say that he's trading. So don't call, don't say from Africa, from Nigeria, from anywhere. Tell me he's trading in permissible goods under the rules of origin. So why are you up in arms then? What if the cables you're selling are from South Africa or from Kenya? What, 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 no, if, what no, if they are even Ghanaians? No, someone no, sent no, me a no, message no, no, that no. they have better customer service. That's why people oh, patronize them and that so That is on. trash. They, they should comply with the law and then that's their goods. To the people, that's not, that's not the issue. We use laws, we build nations with laws. The laws bring orderliness, the and then we are talking about uh, what we have all agreed mm -hmm. as a continent mm -hmm. that we this is the way forward for the continent, okay. and that we should trade among ourselves the goods that we have manufactured among ourselves so that we can get be so self -sustain, sustainable, and that every country forbids okay. uh, um, uh, dumping. So let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, Nigeria, just recently, and even now, have closed its borders. Mm -hmm. Why? Because member states have breezed or abused the rules of origin. Okay. It's, it's as simple as that, because they say that members, member countries were importing and transshipping, they were importing from Asia. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, things like rice bringing it uh, to another and then, African country uh, and moving and bring it, it through mostly uh, Benin and transship it and okay. so they went to ECOWAS um, uh, parliament and then they put this um, argument across they said that this is the reason why we are closing because this is the cardinal principle of the ECOWAS we that we trade in goods that are manufactured in our country these people, these countries are not bringing these goods we need to go dog but question the, you've talked about laws our lawmakers, their president is Speaker Bagbin. He is number three. You, you don't have a number. Me too, I don't have a number. He has gone to Nigeria and he says, it's all clear. As Guta, what's your response to the Speaker of Parliament? So far as this country is concerned, me and you are number one. Okay. So it is wrong. Akufado is number one. We, the country, they are there because of us. Okay, that's fine. We'll so if you're doing the rating, then if they are number one, then we are zero. If the the, uh, uh, the reversal is the norm. Okay, don't worry about numbers. And, and, so, and so, they do not represent themselves. They represent the people of Ghana. It's not about numbers. 
So I can, I can say that number one, who is the president, cannot even arrogate to himself any authority to amend laws. Do you think the speaker is amending a law by what he said? That's what Nigeria? he said. He was reading a prepared speech. He was not talking as tempo. So he has made his mind to uh, to please the citizens of other countries rather than the citizens of his own country, which was very bad. What would be and the response? When, when he has gone there, what made it even worse was for him even to insult us that the law that he was part in formulating this DRPC law, he was very part because he is among one of the longest serving. He's, the only, he's the only longest serving. He's the only longest, and we respect him at that. For him to have gone there and say that the law as it is made has created a, lo a loophole that is f being fed on by opportunists. Who are the opportunists? Because we are making noise, and we are referring on a law that has been formulated by a people, including him. What are you going to do? Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Is it not an indictment on the, on the speaker? And the parliament that framed us law. Are they saying that there's no potency in laws? Are they saying that there, there are no relevance in laws? That the people, if they are being civil, and they are not fighting, they are not killing, and then they will refer to laws for you to enforce those laws, and you say that they are opportunists. What will it's you a, do? It's, a, it's an indictment on him, and it is not fair for him to have um, slapped us at, at our back. What will you do? What, what, why was he rushing to go and please other people? Did you even consult with us, talk with us, and even uh, uh, understand certain things from us? When the Speaker of Nigeria was coming to Ghana, he came with um, some trade uh, uh, delegation. He does not have any regard uh, for us. It's very unfortunate and very pathetic. And we are hurt, especially the insult side. We are hurt. We need to end it here. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you so very much. That's Dr. Joseph Obin, President, Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta. Thank you. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu, production by Sixtus Don Ulo, Beverly London, and Anna Seidu. The technical support came through from Nkunim Oklad Danso. Eyewitness News will be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Stay with us. City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.